0: L'kotei Sicha Yitzchay Lak Tesvav Lech Lecha Sicha Aleph We're learning this Sicha Le'ilu Nishmas Rabbi Yosef Ben Yaman Ben Rabbi Nasha Kalten In Perk Yovas, Perk Hei, the fifth chapter Mishnah Be'ez, the second Mishnah, we learn Asar Adairis Minayach Viad Avroham We're ten generations from Nayach to Avraham. Why? L'hidiachem Erech Lefonov. To let us know how long-suffering God is How long God extends his anger and punishment. All those generations came and provoked God's anger. Until Avraham came and received the reward of all those generations. Now the question that just jumps out at us is what reward? What reward were these ten generations who angered God worthy of that Avraham received. Furthermore, this second Mishnah, Mishnah Bays, begins with the words, Asura doiris me Adam viad nayach. There were ten generations from Adam to Nayach. Why? La idea Kamo era to let you know how long suffering God is. Shekol ha doires hayumach isinu voin ad shehavi Allahem is Hamabul, all the generations came and angered God until finally God brought the Mabel upon them. And Noach did not receive their reward, which is, of course, really understandable because they angered God. So, what kind of reward would there be? So, we're really confused by the way the latter part of the Mishnah ends that Abraham received the reward of the 10 generations between Noach and himself, and that these 10 generations of people also were 10 generations that angered God. There are commentaries who suggest that every person has a preset portion in Gan Eden, but if he takes his portion in Gehenim, then someone else will merit his designated portion in Gan Eden. The challenge, though, and the explanation is that going back to the earlier part of the Mishnah that tells us that there were ten generations between Adam and Noyach who angered God and they wouldn't receive a portion in Ganadin, Noach, who was a tzaddik B'day reisov, a righteous man in his generation, did not, but perhaps should have, taken their position as well as his own in Ganadin. Commentaries respond to this by explaining that as Noah did not pray on behalf of his generation, and he did not seek to draw the people onto the correct path and closer to God, he wasn't sufficiently meritorious to also receive their portion of the thousands of people of the ten generations past. Abraham, on the other hand, made God's name known in the world and drew people close to God, creating a divine consciousness in the world, making souls, in Choron, as the Torah tells us, and the commentaries explain these words, that Avraham brought people close to Hashem, and therefore he was worthy of receiving the reward of all generations before him. In that case, who did take the portion of the first generations from Adam to Noach? It's just not possible to suggest that no one took those portions of Ganeidin, as Ganeidin is, as the Torah tells us, a place la of shamra to work and to guard. When Adam was led into Ganeidin, it was for the purpose the Torah tells us of serving and guarding it la ofda When he was ejected from Ganeidin. That work became the work of Neshamas who received their reward in Ganadin. The reward of La'avda, the work of the mitzvahs Assei, the positive commandments, and the Lashamra is the work of the prohibited mitzvahs. Hence, Ganadin is apportioned and appointed for man. So there cannot be a situation in Ganadin where an apportioned place remains unused, particularly when we're talking about the portions of 10 generations of people, someone has to come and fulfill the purpose, this purpose of these portions in Ganeiden. In that case, it must be that these 10 generations from Adam to Noyach actually did not have a place apportioned and appointed in Ganeiden. And if that's the case, then we need to understand how they who angered God were different to the next gen- ten generations who also also angered God but had a set portion of Ganeidon, the reward of which Abraham took. There's another issue here that needs explaining. There's a clear Posuk in Torah and Parsha's Kisisa in Perak Lamidala, chapter 34, that says that Hashem is an Erech Hashem delays His anger. And Rashi says both to Tzadikim and Rishoim. What is the Mishnah and others contributing to that already established fact that Hashem is an Erech The addition made in the Mishnah seems to be simply that the Torah tells us only that Hashem is an Erech But the Mishnah tells us, L'hoidiyah, lets us know, for how long, that Hashem is an Erech for ten generations. But why? Why ten generations? To understand all of this, we need to first discuss the following idea. The order of the Mishnah is very specific. In that case, in this chapter, which begins with a Mishnah that states that God created the world with ten utterances, why is the Mishnah that follows it, the Mishnah that tells us there were ten generations from Adam to Nayach. If only to maintain the order in terms of the actual timeline of creation, the Mishnah that follows the first should be the sixth Mishnah in Parakeh, which states that ten things were created Erev Shabbos at the twilight, in other words, right after the six days of creation, before moving on to the ten generations between Adam and and noyach. So the Mishnah, Perakhe, begins with Hashem created the world with ten utterances, and then continues into the next Mishnah and tells us there were ten generations from Odom to Noyah. But the sixth Mishnah seems to be the Mishnah that should follow the first that told us that God created the world with ten utterances. Because that Mishnah talks about that which was created at the very end of the six days of creation. This is understood as follows. The first Mishnah tells us that the world was created with ten utterances. And this Mishnah continues to say, Hashem could have created with one utterance. The Mishnah continues and says, the Mishnah continues and says, However, Hashem created the world with 10 utterances, investing expanded complexity in the world to show how important and how valuable and how delicate the world is. And so, the world, the wicked, excuse me, who destroy the world, El Shema Abdin which was created with ten utterances, those wicked ones will be punished. And the Mishnah continues, and to give reward, to the righteous ones, to the righteous ones who sustain the world that was created with ten utterances. These two points are developed in the second Mishnah that follows. This Mishnah, as we said, says, Adam The ten generations from Adam to Adnayach were Rishoyim. They brought destruction to the world, and God punished them and brought the floodwaters upon them. And then there were ten generations from Nayach to Avraham, who too angered God, But Avraham brought people closer to God, and this thus sustained the universe, and retroactively affected the world's existence for the past ten generations, and therefore he received the reward of all those generations past. But we're still left wondering what is the actual difference between these two sets of generations that made it possible for the latter ten generations to be sustained, and the former not, for reward to be bestowed upon Avraham, but a flood to decimate the generation in the time of Noach. We can explain this with an analogy of the wars fought by Bnei Yisrael, by the Jewish nation, of which objects of certain materials could be taken as sholol, as spoils of war, and some, others, not. In the war with evil in this world, there are in fact two types of evil, and thus two methods of how to deal with evil. There are things that are completely bad, and they must be completely destroyed and eradicated, like vessels that must be broken to be purified. The only way for purification is through breaking. The only way for the world to receive or to Acquire tikkun repair would be through eradication of that particular evil. So, certain materials could be taken as shallow, those things could be made holy, and certain materials could not be taken as spoils. Those could not be transformed. This is like what the Altarebbe teaches in Lekutei Torah regarding the burning of the heifer. The para represented deeds, the heifer represented deeds that were completely bad in essence, and thus it was burned, for it could not experience tikkun, repair, and so it must be made null and removed from the world. What remains, though, is ash, and the ash reveals the koyach hamisave, the origin of all physical energy, and the origin or the original energy of desire, which is a koyach that in and of itself is not bad and can be used for good. This koyach hamis Ave on its own can be upturned, and the desire for bad can become a desire for good and for godliness. But first, it must be burned, eradicated, then there are things which have no obvious good, but nevertheless have a spark of good. These desires must not be eradicated, but rather used and transformed. The Gemara in Menachas relates a story of a man who went to visit a prostitute and paid for her services, but was woken up to morality and to not going against God's will before he indulged when his tzitzis flapped in his face. The prostitute was inspired to find the source of what made him moral, and when she did, the beds she had prepared for acts of immorality with him became used in a moral way. Herein lies the difference between the two sets of ten generations. The evil of the ten generations from Odom to Noach were generations of complete bad, the kind that destroys the world, and therefore Hashem wiped them off the face of the earth by bringing a flood. But the next 10 generations, though they too contained bad, this was a redeemable bad. And so when Avraham revealed godliness in the world, he redeemed these 10 generations by his actions, which gave the world kium, existence. And so he received the reward of all these generations which, when redeemed and transformed to good, were rewardable. So why ten generations? Why does Hashem delay his wrath for ten generations? Ten, as we know, is a number that denotes shleimus, wholeness. That is true in holiness, when ten gather, the Shechina is present, and it's true too in the opposite of holiness— ten elements of evil, represent the complete gamut of total ra, And so Hashem waits for tshuva until the tenth generation, until it's all bad and there's no further possibility for goodness. Noyach couldn't redeem the Tsar as we said, because he wasn't concerned for the generation or for the continued existence of the world. So even though he came at the end of the ten generations, he could not fix what came before. Just as there is an Olam Gadol, a large cosmic reality, there exists represented in every individual a small cosmos. Just as there exist the two periods of ten generations in the greater cosmos, so there exist these two periods in the smaller cosmos of man, in regards to his or her divine service. An individual may be living out his ten days, in other words, his small cosmos lifetime of ten generations, doing things not the way God wants him to. And things seem to be going okay. There are no repercussions. And he figures he'll just continue living like this, the way he wants to live. But it's only like this now, because Hashem is ma'arich af. Hashem delays punishment, but this will end. And the way to do one's divine service and to live one's life is to nullify the previously undesirable behaviors by engulfing them in the floodwaters and eradicating them. But that isn't enough. Man's days to serve God are planned and numbered, And the second level of service must be fulfilled, and the former behavior has to be transformed and repaired and given existence, overturning dark and making it light, until the reward for all these days becomes his.